today, I want to talk about how we pass our faith along. So we're going to look at Psalms 112. We've been looking at Psalm 112. Feel free to look it up in your apps, in your Bibles, whatever you got. Um, all, everything I read will be up on the big screen behind me, God willing. We're hoping <laughs> that everything, so you could just follow along on the big screen behind me. We'll be reading all the verses together. But Psalms 112, we've been reading it throughout the series, and we're going to look at Psalm 112 one more time, all right? And so, so I, I want to talk to you today about how do we create a first-generation hunger in faith, uh, in faith to God. And so the title of the talk today is to set your soul ablaze, set your soul ablaze. It wasn't a coincidence we talked, we were singing, you know, light of fire in my soul, all that stuff. It was not a coincidence. We were setting you up, setting you up for this message today. Set your soul ablaze. How do we do that? So today, you're, you may be sitting here and you're like, well, um, you're talking about passing this on to the second generation. I need to have my heart ablaze. Well, this message hopefully will cause a spark in your heart to want to set your soul ablaze. But the goal is not for you to just keep that fire inside of you, but to pass it on to the second generation. So we're going to talk about it. It's going to help you if you need a spark, and it's going to help you to help pass this on to the others. You guys ready to read Psalm 112? Yes, no, maybe so. Here we go. Psalm 112, verse 1. How joyful, this is David talking, right? And he said it this way. He said this. He said, how joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in his commands. Verse two, let's all read this together. Let's all read it aloud. You guys, you ready? Their children will be successful everywhere. One more time, because I didn't really hear you that well the first. Their children will be successful everywhere everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. Verse 3 says, they themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will what? Everybody, their good deeds will last forever. We're going to live in such a way that our good deeds are going to be, are going to live beyond us. They're not just going to stay with us, but they're going to live beyond us. They're going to be made to endure. And we're gonna, we are going to be made to endure. The next verse, verse 4 says, they are generous, compassionate. And what else is it? And righteous. And here comes the great news. Verse 6, those who are righteous will be what? Long remember. Ding, 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 ding. Made to endure long remembered they will be made to endure so i want to go back to verse two because this is so important i really i want to camp out on the on, on verse two here today verse two is the verse that i had you guys all read aloud together and it says their children will be successful everywhere now as a parent that's a tremendous vision and goal to have that they will be successful everywhere but more than just as a parent, I believe that as a church, God is calling us as a church to, that, that we should have a vision for our children, not just my children, not just your children, but our children, and that they would be successful everywhere, everywhere. And for that to be true, I think it's important for us to define what success is, okay? That they will be successful everywhere. Well, what is success? I, I, I want to submit to you today that it's a little bit different than what our society says success is. And so I, I kind of came up with a definition of what society says success is. They say that success in raising kids looks like having de fully developed personalities, having kids who are accomplished, who are always carefree, who are always untroubled and delightful. 
to have fully developed personalities, that they're accomplished, they're always carefree, that they're untroubled and they're delightful. Wouldn't you agree that society says, yeah, that's kind of somewhere in that definition, Abdi? That's what society says success is. That's how they would define it. It's pretty accurate. Fully developed personalities, accomplished, who are always carefree, they're untroubled, and they're just delightful kids. The problem with fully developed kids or developed personalities is that companies, true, wise companies, would never hire, would never hire a fully developed, well personality. You know why? Because really successful companies are looking for people who are excellent, awesome, above and beyond at really one or two things, and that's it. They don't want people who are just exceptional in everything. They want people who are incredibly successful in a narrow set of gifts. To quote from the movie Taken, the guy was saying, I have what? He said, I have a, a, a very particular set of skills. That's what companies are looking for. That's what, what jobs are looking for. You have, you're really good at one or two things. The other thing, accomplished. What is that? Like educationally. Okay, so you went to high school and you graduated. Very good. Or you got your, you know, your, your, your bachelor's degree. Very good for you. Or, hey, you know, I got my associate's degree. Great. You got your master's degree. Great. You, you, you scored a 35 on your ACT out of 36, right? I think 36 is the highest you can get these days. I got a 35 on my ACT. That's great. But if you have no integrity, if you have no character, then you're not really successful in what matters most. And so what is success? How, how delightful, untroubled, carefree. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, that, that that's just not it when we talk about success. If, uh, if they're just delightful, if they're just carefree, if they're just untroubled, what, what are they doing? Our society is, is encouraging us to bow down and worship at the altar of, of just being satisfied. As long as they're, what? Happy. As long as they're happy. I just want my kids to be happy. That's how we define success in our society today. I just want them to be happy. But the scriptures never call us to be happy, do they? The scriptures call us to be holy. That's the problem. They call us to be holy. The scripture says in, in Matthew 16, 26, it says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and yet what? forfeit your soul. Let's set your soul ablaze today. What do you gain if you gain the whole world? What do you win? What success is? is it really success if you gain the whole world and yet forfeit your soul? You see, happiness can never be the goal. Happiness, joy, contentment are all byproducts of a life that's filled with with following and giving honor and glory to God. And so we're not gonna be so concerned about today's happiness as much as we're gonna be concerned about tomorrow's preparedness, about how do we prepare our, our children, how do we prepare the children around us for what God has called them to do. So we wanna impart life to this next generation that they could glorify God in all that they do. Can somebody say yes? All right, I got some wake-up people here today. Good. So if success is for us, it's not consistent with what society says is success. What is success? What is success? You guys are looking up here. Okay, nothing up here new. Okay, so what is success? I'm going to give you a definition of how I define success for us as, as people who are followers of Jesus. It is to set followers of Jesus free 
We are called to, as it pertains to this generation, is that we're called to, and if you want, you can write this down, you don't have to, but if we're a follower of Jesus, this is what I would define success, that we are called to set Jesus followers free, to make biblically-based decisions, and to live in such a way that will reform this world. That we would set Jesus followers free to make biblically-based decisions and live in such a way that will reform this world, that with everything in us that we are called to release, that we're, that we're helping prepare them to glorify God in all that they say and all that they do, that we're training them up in the way that they should go so that when they're old, they will not depart from it, to set them free to be followers of Jesus. In other words, Jesus Christ is not Lord in just name and title only, but he's really the first, he's deeply planted in our hearts and they will glorify him in all that we do. Can somebody say yes? Okay, so in a world filled with relativism, in a world filled that, that it's very difficult for anyone to take a stance for constant truth, our children are going to be different. The ones that come to Doral Vineyard, they're going to be very different they're gonna, because they're going to be biblically based. They're going to know their word, and their paradigm is going to look differently than the paradigms of our society. We're, we're not going to make decisions based on how we feel or how happy or not happy we are. We're going to make decisions based on how well we know the scriptures and what they've taught us. And so God word, God's word holds us firmly planted to his truth. And because we're followers of Jesus and we know our Bibles, our ultimate goal is not their happy but it's to make a difference in this world and the byproduct of a life that makes a difference for Jesus is a life of fulfillment of contentment because God has used us to make a difference okay so let's all say this together what are we called to do would you join your voices together let's let's say it together we're called to what we are called to set Jesus followers free to make biblically based decisions and live in such a way that will reform this world. And some of you are going, wow, I'm just trying to keep my kids in shoes, right? Do you know how fast my kids' feet grow? And now you're giving me this like mandate over here. I mean, this is like really tough. You guys, we're, we're gonna simplify this. We're, we're, and I believe there's a lot of power in simplicity, a lot of power. I mean, God said, what's the greatest commandment? Let me simplify it for you, right? So I believe there's a lot of power in simplicity, and we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this. We're going to unpack it. So I, I spoke to uh, somebody who was in their 20s recently, um, a couple weeks ago, and they were really excited about this series, Made to Endure. They're like, wow, I love this series. It's so exciting. I, I just I feel called to this, and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm so excited. You're happy about Tell me, like, but you don't have any kids. Like, a lot of this message is, like, trying to help us parent. And he's like, I know, but um, I feel feel called to that. So I'm just really excited about this series. So what I've, what I've, what I've seen is that the 20-somethings that don't have kids are excited, but the ones that do have kids are like, oh my gosh, when is the service going to be over? Like, you don't need to give me any more to do. I got enough. And then the ones that are like older are like, wow, I messed up. I suck. I'm not good at being a parent. No, 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 no. If you're 18 years old or 88 years old, this message is going to be very applicable for you. You're going to be able to grab this and understand that we're not just talking about your kids, although we are. We're talking about our kids here at our church. And what do we do for the next generation? How do we pass on this faith, this fire? this soul ablaze how do we pass this on to the next generation it's interesting it's interesting because i think we're going to go somewhere today so you know it, there's there's a there's a big difference when a, there's a 20 year old that's telling me they like this series and when there's a parent that says i like this series because then i'm like okay 
You know, you, you know, I remember when I was single, actually it was really hard for me to remember, maybe some of you guys, when you didn't have kids, you know, when you have kids, you kind of like lose memory, you lose, it's such a big difference when, when you actually have kids. I know there's some people that are like, I think I'm ready to have kids. Let me tell you, you're not ready to have kids. <laughs> when you think you're ready to have kids, you're not ready. It's when you think you know you're not ready to have kids. That's when you might be ready to have kids, you know? What a big difference between when you don't have kids and you decide you want to go somewhere, right? And the difference between when you're married and you have kids and you want to go somewhere. Like, the ones that don't have kids, they just say, okay, you know, I think we should go to Naples. All right, let's just go. When you have kids, you're like, okay, I think we should go to Naples on Saturday. Let's start getting packed on Tuesday so we can get in the car on Thursday and make sure, because as soon as you're like trying to gather everybody, there's one boy over here. Where's the other one? Okay, you grab the other one. Where's the other one? Oh my gosh, where's your shoe? Oh my gosh, did you, even, did you brush your teeth? You know, did you bathe today? Did you bathe this week? I mean, ah, just get in the car. Don't even comb your hair. Just, just get in the car. Let's just go. It's such a big difference when you have kids than when you don't have kids. It's a huge, huge difference. Now, I love them, but whoa, is a big difference when you don't have kids and when you have kids. But when, you know, when you have kids, you want to go somewhere, and you got to plan way, 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 way ahead. And, and one of the things that, that, that for me, I felt like God didn't bless me with is I have a very weak whistler. So, like, when it's time to get out of the house and put all the kids in the car, which I just have two, but still, put all the kids in the car, um, I, you know, I'm like, come on, everybody, let's, let's go in. And I'm like, you know, I, I know some parents here, they have some really good, you know, they do the two finger, you know, and I, there's a guy that lives about a mile and a half from me that when he whistles, I come out running. I'm like, what happened, you know, but, but my kids, you know, they, they're just looking at me like, what is that, Dad? <laughs> you, you trying to call me? So I didn't, I didn't get blessed with a good whistler. But, but anyway, you're telling me, Abdi, that we have to raise and set free Jesus followers to be biblically based and blah, 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 blah. And we're going to simplify this. We're going to help you guys with this today. All right? So what we're going to try to do is guide their introductions. All the people of the second generation, we're going to try to guide their introductions and help them become familiar with things. We're going to guide what they get introduced to, and we're going to help them become familiar and at ease with. You know, it, it, it's kind of like if you like baseball, and there's kids around you, and you just kindly introduce them. I am a Mets fan because my parents were a Mets fan, right? Baseball, you guide them, you introduce them to baseball, all of a sudden, they like baseball, it's very, you know, it's very simple. You, you, whatever you introduce them and you expose them to and you help them become familiar with, all of a sudden they start liking that too. What a quinky dink. It's because we, we, you've been introducing them to this. You've been, you've been exposing them to this. And so that's what we're going to do. Look what Proverbs says. It says it this way. Walk with the wise. In other words, introduce them. Introduce them to. Help them become familiar with wise people. Help them hang around, expose them to wise, learned people, right? Wise people. And, and then what, what does it say? You will be, they will become what? Wise. Now, if you help them run around with a bunch of fools, what's going to happen? They're going to get in trouble. That's what the scripture says, right? Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools, and they're going to get in trouble. And that's what happens. What we introduce them to and what we help them become familiar with will determine who and what they will become. Here's what we need to acknowledge, that they are naturally going to be exposed to a lot of different things that we may have no control over. 
they're naturally going to be exposed to what? All kinds of things in our society. A lot of bad things as they go through life. They're going to be exposed and be introduced to and become familiar with these things, these bad attitudes and over-sexualized society, materialism, prejudices, bullying, right? They're going to be exposed to all this. And so as parents, we can't just say, oh, well, you're just going to love Jesus. We're just going to make you love Jesus. We're going to make you pray. We're going to make you read your Bible. You know, we're going to make you know your word. I mean, we can't just force them to love Jesus, but here's what we can do. We can introduce them and help them become familiar with the experiences that increase their fulfillment in ways that nothing else will, fu- will fulfill them. And this is so important. And help them understand and falling in love with God. Falling in love with God and, 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 and helping them grow spiritually. We can't force them, but we can expose them to those things that increase the likelihood of them wanting to have this first generation hunger and desire to know Christ in an intimate and, and, and in a real way. We're going to guide their introduction and help them become familiar with, with the, and with the help of God, we can raise kids that are going to be followers of Jesus, and they're going to be free to make biblically-based decisions and live in such a way that they will reform this world. So let me give you three things, three things that we're going to guide and introduce them to and help them become familiar with, all right? The first thing, if you're taking notes, is this. We're going we're to introduce them and help them become familiar with the joy of knowing God personally the joy of knowing God personally. In fact, this is what it says in John chapter 17. He said it this way, and this is the way we have, this is the way to have eternal life. He said, and then he defined what eternal life is. He says, it is to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. To know my Father who sent me. This is eternal life, to know God who sent me. That's it. It's to know God. The problem is sometimes in Christian families and in Christian circles, we put these rules and we have this faith to be, it becomes all about these rules, 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 rules. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. And I'm convinced that the the next generation, they're not rebelling against Jesus, they're rebelling against the hypocrisy that they see and the legalism that was put on them. But if we introduce them and we help them become familiar with the joy of an intimate relationship with God, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, that, that in our home we try to do that. Right? We, we try to make it, we try to expose them and introduce them to just simple things as just praying and reading the Bible. And anytime that there's anything good that happens, we try to give God the credit. We say, oh man, isn't God good? A few, about a year ago, I was nursing our car along, our, our family car. I was nursing it along. Every single morning, I put the boys in the car, strap them into the baby seats, pop the hood, roll up my sleeves, get all dirty, try to get that thing to turn on. I did it for months and months and months and months and months. And my kids saw me, and I was there frustrated. Sometimes it would turn on. Sometimes I had to be careful where I was going because it was going to overheat, and I wouldn't make it back home. I mean, it was every day. For months and months, I was just nursing this, this car, nursing this car, nursing this car, nursing it along, just limping it along, limping it. You can make it one more day. Come on, man. Because I was trying to save money so we could buy another car. Not a new car, just another car. So we could buy another car and actually not have to be under the hood every single morning to try to get it to work and finally when we got the car I was like you guys boys isn't God good look how God it wasn't a new car it was it was new for us isn't God good look how he's blessed us we got a car we can drive in this Uh, puppy doesn't have to get all dirty and wash his hands after you know he's he's here he's he doesn't have to pop the hood anymore as often as he used to you know and so he's not doing it every day we don't have to like pray that we'll make it to school this morning because we're not sure you know it's okay we've got this isn't how has God been good to us 
How is he, how has he been good to us? Let's just thank God. He's so good. He's blessed us. He's provided for us. Look at the way the Lord has blessed us. Now, if we want them to have a relationship with God and the joy of knowing God, then there must be some conversations with God. I don't know about you, but I, I laugh with God. I do. I, I want to make these conversations with God fun. And for my kids, I want them to see I'm having a conversation with God. And, and, and you know, I, I, Papi's not perfect. Mommy's not perfect. But, but we're having these conversations, and God's correcting me. And God is guiding me, and he's comforting me, and he's, he's leading me, and he, he's, he's loving on me. But he's, um, he's having these experiences with God. I think I want that. I think I want this relationship that Papi has. That's what we're hoping for, that as we're doing this, it, it'll, get, it'll get passed on. Let me tell you what that looks like in our home, passing this conversation on, this reading the Bible. We, we pray about, we, we don't have a set time of prayer like Thursday nights at 7 p.m. We, we, don't, we don't have that in our house, but we pray all the time. Whenever there's a boo-boo, we pray. Whenever we lost a toy, we pray. Whenever they're fighting, we pray. Whenever there's a thunderstorm, we pray. When we hear the ambulance, we pray. When we hear the police officer, we pray. Whenever we hear the, the, the fire, you know, we pray. We pray all the time. We, we may not have a Thursday night prayer, but we pray about everything. Oh, are you feeling afraid? Okay, let's pray. Oh, are, are, you, uh, are you sad today? Okay, let's pray. And then when anything happens that's good, hey, hey, remember? Remember how we prayed about that? Hey, do you see this? God just answered this. Do you, do you see how God just showed up in our lives? Isn't that great? This is how real God is. So we, we, we pray about things. And then reading the Bible. You know, we try to read the Bible. We, we don't make it a rule that everybody has to read the Bible, but we do. We pray, and then they see mommy pr- reading the Bible. They see dad reading the Bible, and all of a sudden, they're reading the Bible with us, and, and then any moment I have, I'm reminding them, hey, do you remember what we read last night? Do you remember, what was that story again about John the Baptist? What was that story again to help me out with that John the Baptist story again? What was it? Oh, you see how that applies to today? Look, now we're in the same spot. We, we're wondering the same thing. Maybe we should pray, and so I'm constantly trying to bring the scriptures back you know, and there's this circumstances sometimes allows us to bring the scriptures back into, into reality, back to them, back home into them, and they can connect. And some of you think, wow, Pastor Abdi, you must have the, the most, you know, your three-year-old must be like in serious intercession before the Lord. Let me tell you, it's not like that <laughs> at all. We try to pray and there's a many times where like this thing is falling apart, right? One of them is like, your feet stink, your eyes are open. Well, how do you know your eyes are open? Because your eyes are, stop, you know? And sometimes I say amen way too early. You know, I'm like, all right, amen, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. You know, because they're just, it, it falls apart. But the point is that we're doing these moments. We're having these moments together and we're trying, we're trying to pray together and, and, and celebrate whenever there's an answer to prayer. God showed up, you guys, isn't God good? Yeah, it's happening. Now, not only is our family learning to believe in the power of prayer, but all of us, we study the, the word of God every day. Every day we study God's word. Every day we try to study God's word and talk about what God is doing. And, and, and when we go to church every week, we come back and we talk about what we learned in church. And it's so great. You miss a lot when you miss church. You do. You miss a lot when you miss church. So when we go to church, we talk about it. We're like, all right, let's talk about what, what did we learn today at church and, and how, can that, you know, how, how can that be meaningful to you this week and what are you going to be thinking about as a result of what you learned in church, you know? And, and so, you know, if your children do not have a first-generation love for Jesus, maybe you need to turn up the heat a little bit. 
maybe you need to get that spark again and set your soul ablaze because, you know, there, there was a, 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 I think it was John Wesley who said, set our hearts on fire and others will come and watch you burn. I think it was John Wesley who said that. And he's a, he's a pastor from back in the day. And so anyways, he said that. And it's true. Like if you're, maybe if your kids are not seeking, maybe it's you that needs to turn up the heat a little bit and, and, and get that spark back up and, and, and seeking the Lord. So, you know, more is caught than taught, right? More of what they see is what catches them than what we say necessarily. But we want to expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. And so this Thursday, you can mark your calendars. Gloria mentioned it earlier. She did a fine job. Way to go, Gloria. (laughs) Did great. She mentioned it earlier. We're going to have a worship night this Thursday, a worship and prayer and fasting day on Thursday. So I want to invite you all to a day of fasting. That means that we don't eat um, you can do whatever you want in your fast. I'm going to encourage you not to eat solid food. You can drink water, but forgo everything. And you can do whatever you want. Uh, this is what I'm going to do. You guys can fast however you want, but I want to invite you to a fast this Thursday. We're going to fast, and we're going to pray that night, and we're going to worship God that night. And I want to invite you all to it. We're going to see God set our hearts ablaze and set this next generation ablaze, their souls ablaze. I, I, I think we need to do that. I think we need to get hungry for the things of God and go for him and go for broke. Just lean in and press in and go all in and say, God, whatever you want to do, let's just do this. Let's just do this. So this Thursday night, 7.30, Nina's going to be here. The worship team's going to be here. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be singing and, and praying, and we're going to be hungry. And then after, we'll go eat, all right? So the first thing is, what are we going to do? We're going to introduce them to and help them become familiar with what? Knowing God and the joy of knowing God personally. One person, amen, one person. The second thing we want to do is, if you're taking notes, is this. First of all, we're going to guide and introduce them and help them to become familiar with the joy of knowing God personally. And then the second thing is, we're going to introduce them and help them become familiar with the presence and the power of God. To the presence and the power of God in his church. We're going to introduce them to and help them become familiar with the presence and the power of God in his church. You see, if you miss church, you miss a lot, right? You really do. Last week, I I told Nina, I'm stealing that, that honey thing and the milk thing. I'm stealing that. I love that. I'm going to use that. I've been thinking about it all week. Anybody else been thinking about it all week, right? It's like, it's been, it was good. It stuck with me, that honey and that, that, um, so, but you know, you miss God. You, 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 You miss church and you miss worship. You miss God speaking to you during worship. You miss God speaking to you uh, every week, a message he has for us to help us become better lovers of God and better lovers of others. And, and so, you know, during the message, God speaks to me, and, and you, you hear that for your family, and, and you discuss it with them throughout the week. But here's the bottom line for most of you. There are things that are non-negotiable, things that are non-negotiable. You say, we're not going to negotiate this. Your kid's going to school right? That's one of those things. Going to work every day. It's a non-negotiable, right? We're going to work pretty much. It's a non-negotiable. In my home, Paw Patrol is a non-negotiable. We have all the paraphernalia of Paw Patrol. And I'm like, it's here. You better like it. You're gonna like it. You're gonna wear that shirt. You're gonna play with that toy because we spent all that money on Paw Patrol. You're gonna like it. It's a non-negotiable in my family, okay? Uh, okay, so that's, that's, but there's some, there's some other stuff that, well, not so much. So many parents on the weekends, they're saying, well, do you want to go to church this weekend? That's like the one negotiable thing that comes up again and again and again. Do you, I, you know, it's raining today. Maybe you don't have to go to church this weekend. 
And the bottom line is, and I don't want, to feel any, I want anybody to feel guilty, but if you only upstage church for other things, well, it, it's a beautiful day. Let's just go to the beach. Let's not go to church. Well, you know that game? We were at, watching that game. We were up at that game. We were at that game last night, and now we're tired. You know, oh, we got this tournament this weekend, you know? Oh, we're so tired. Why don't we just rest today? Why don't we just not go to church? If you only eclipse church for other things, and you never, ever top anything else for the worship of God, you're sending a very clear message of what your true priorities are. And I want to help guide and I want to help introduce and help them become familiar with the power and the presence of God in his church, that they long to be in his presence with other people, that there's something beautiful, there's something about being in the presence and experiencing his power with other people in the local church. Think about this verse that we just read. And I love this verse. Their children will be successful everywhere. Their children. Whose children? Not my children their children, not your children, their children. Their children will be successful. That means all of our children will be successful everywhere. Everywhere you go, our children will be successful. You see, I'm so thankful to those of you who serve in kids' church. I'm so thankful for those of you who serve in the student ministries because you guys are making an impact in the children, the second generation. You're making an impact on my boys. They're coming home. They're with this stuff. They're telling me about Jesus. I love it. You're making an impact, and I love that. I love that. I'm so thankful for those of you who serve in, in, in the kids' church and in the student ministries, and I just have to say to those of you who have served in kids' church or served in our student ministries, you have no idea the impact that you're making with these kids' lives. Some of you, you helped other children become fully devoted followers of Christ, and that is so amazing. That is so huge, and it's so important to us. It's so important to us here at Doral Vineyard. It's so important to my wife and I. You know, I take extra time. I go to AJ's, uh, Abdel's school, my oldest, he's in school. I go to his school, not because I have to, not because they required it of me, it's because I want to. We go to the school, and I, I go and I, I teach the Bible to the kids. They allow me to come in and teach the Bible. I do it because I, I have in them, how could I pass out, the, you know, pass up this op amazing opportunity to, to share the Bible with the kids of that school? Some of them, their parents don't go to church. Man, this is a great opportunity. I'd love to do that, and so I, I love that. I love that. Not because I have to, it's because this is what we do. We're followers of Jesus. We're followers of Jesus. It's what we do. I don't do that because I'm the pastor of Doral Vineyard. I do that because it's an opportunity. I want to expose these kids. I want, them to be, I want to introduce them to Jesus and help them become familiar with understanding the presence and the power of God. And I believe with all my heart that it must be a priority, a top priority in all of our lives. What we introduce them to and help them become familiar with is what they will become. If we expose them to just fashion or just sports or just good education, then they're going to become pleasant, accomplished, untroubled. We're, we're, they're going to become those kind of kids. But if we introduce them and help them become familiar with the joy of knowing God personally and introduce them and help them become familiar with the presence and the power of God in the church, when they become set free to, follow, to become followers of Jesus and make biblically-based decisions and live in such a way that will reform this world, the they're going to make a difference and they're going to feel number three. This is number three. And I love this. Number three is we want to introduce them and help them become familiar with the thrill of being used by God. The thrill of being used by God. Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15 says, Serve the Lord alone 
But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, me and my family, we will serve the Lord. We want to introduce them to and help them become familiar with the thrill of being used by God. Because when they do, when they are exposed to the thrill of being used by God, nothing else will satisfy. They will be exposed and be, and be introduced to scoring a goal and the thrill of scoring a goal. What happens? Wow, I scored a goal. Or getting an A on an exam. They're going to have that thrill. Wow, I scored high on this exam. I had this thrill. But when you, ex- and you expose them and you help them become familiar with, you introduce them to the thrill of being used by God. This is a whole different level of making a difference in somebody else's life. And we're so serious about this here at our church. We are so serious about this that we want to allow them to greet. That's why when you walked in today, many of you saw little kids greeting them, greeting you as you walked in because we believe they can make a difference. They can use the gifts that they have right now. They don't have to wait till they get older. They can use the gifts and the smiles and the, and the hi, how are you? We, we, we're already plugging them into the system, helping them be used by God and the thrill. Oh my gosh, God just used me. I never thought he could use me. Now he's using me to make a difference. I just helped somebody. I was able to pray with someone. I was able to you know, lead someone to Jesus. There's, there's no thrill greater than God using me to make a difference in someone else's life. In fact, I, I want to just brag on some of our next generation who are reforming this world. We've got young adults here at our church who are coming up and they're, 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 they're pouring into the first, to, to the, they're pouring first generation faith into the ones that are coming up after them. I'm dreaming of, of the day when our students back there and our student ministries will be inviting and using, leveraging their, their whatever extracurricular activity they're in, whatever after-school club they're involved with, whether it be a sport club or a, a you know, glee club or a chess club, whatever club they're involved with, and they're just leading and leveraging it in a spiritual way, being the spiritual leader of these clubs and, and inviting people to church, inviting other young people that in turn will invite their families that will come here and experience Jesus. I'm, I'm dreaming of that day when they, where they were help other students know God personally. I'm dreaming of our seven-year-olds here at Doral Vineyard, that they will discover the gifts and start serving God in whatever they're called to do, that at the time they will impact hospitals. They'll impact hospitals and use their gifts to make a difference in somebody else's lives. I'm dreaming of our eight-year-olds here at Doral Vineyard, that they will see injustices in this world and do their part to make a difference in the world. They'll do their small part, or maybe it turns out to be something big, but small is okay too. Big is okay, small, but they'll do their part in making a difference and and helping and encourage someone. And when we see that, those of us around us that are the first generation, a little older than them as coaches and as mentors, we're saying, hey, did you just realize that God just used you? to make a difference. Hey, when you listen to someone, God is using you. Hey, do, do you realize that, that just by smiling and helping people feel comfortable, God is using you, the thrill of being used by God. And suddenly, something is born within them, and, and, and there's a hunger. And I want to know that same hunger they're saying. I want to know that same hunger that's in, you know, that, that I've seen transform my parents and, and, and the, the people around me in their lives. I want, to, I, want to walk, I want to represent this God that I experience every week in the context of the local church. You see, I don't just go to church. I am the church. I am the church, and I'm here to meet the needs of the world because God has used me to make a difference in someone else's life. And you can't talk me out of using my gifts for, for God's glory because you came too late. I've already been used by God, and so I want to keep, that's, that's my prayer, 
That's my prayer that our seven-year-olds, that our eight-year-olds, that our young people, that our three-year-olds will say that, will say, you know what, you can't convince me that I can't be used by God because I've already been used by God and I want to keep being used by God. So rather than settling for having a developed personality and being accomplished and carefree and untroubled, we are going to see a generation emerge from this generation that is set free to follow Jesus and to make biblically-based decisions and live in such a way that will reform this world. And it's going to take every single one of us, every single one of us here today, it's going to take every single one of us to do this because our church cares about all of them. We care about every single, not just our children, not their, your children, but all of the children that come here. We care about them, that they're the church, not of the future, but they're the church of today. And it's time for us to take our roles seriously, imparting first-generation faith to the next generation, believing they will do even more for the glory of God than we have ever done.